Lord, we just, I just give myself to you tonight. Pray that we would do that collectively. That we would be open to what you have to say to us. That tonight we would not only be a conduit of your resources, but a conduit of your spirit. You said the well to the woman. You said that from our, our bellies, her belly, our bellies would flow rivers of living water as you spoke of the spirit that was to come. We're conduits of your spirit, Lord. Let's clean out the garbage that might block the flow tonight and allow you to flow through us freely and cleanly and purely to each other, to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. So, set the scene. It's dinner time at Cherit Creek Lodge. It's our last night. And Larry, the crazy horse guide, announces, Boys, I've got a Christmas present for you tonight. His advances had been rebuffed from yet another lady at dinner, another hiker. And so we go back to our rooms and think, Let's play some cards. It's dark. There's nothing to do except for Bigfoot. Um, ask Larry if he believed in Bigfoot. He's like, Ah, there's plenty of other things that are real that can kill you. You don't have to worry about Bigfoot. <laughs> Point taken. Um, so we're getting ready to play some cards because that's pretty much what you do when you're in the woods with just nothing but a kerosene lamp. Um, couldn't check my email. Uh, so we get that, you know, the pastor's getting the poker chips out. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> like sweet. <laughs> um, and there's a <laughs> knock at the door and it's one of the, uh, ladies at the lodge who says, Larry says he wants to see it at the stables right away. And we're like, keeping in mind, it's dark, dark. Okay, now the moon is out kind of like this, but like three quarters of it, you know. And we're like, I wonder if... And so now as we're walking, trudging more like it through the, the holler, it's about a good uh, two or three hundred yards from the lodge to the stable. I'm beginning to put odds on whether Larry's screwing with us, Okay. I think Larry is going to get us up there and go, ha, 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 gotcha, you know, and then have a good laugh at our expense and uh, send us city boys back to the lodge to play poker. Um, I was incorrect because Larry had, in fact, saddled all of the horses. Winchester, the uh, half-wolf dog, was standing ready. And he says, now keep in mind, there were three or two rules when we got there. Rule number one, don't fall off the horse. Rule number two, have fun. And Larry says they're intertwined. Um, <laughs> as I'm, uh, as one of our uh, guys with us named Cortland is mounting his steed, uh, Larry says, "Have you have you uh, fallen off a horse be- much before?" And, and Cortland says, "No." And he goes, "I haven't ridden much, have you?" I'm like, "Oh, jeez, <laughs> we're going to be falling off this thing." This is what I'm thinking. And in my mind, I'm thinking that my old boss, Larry McCord, at the grocery store that I used to work at, they called me Daryl after working there three years. They're like, Daryl, can you come to the front, please? Like, we just stopped correcting him after a while. Um, Larry was an expert uh, horse person, whatever those are called. Uh, horseman? Equestrian. Equestrian, dude. I like horsemen. And uh, Larry, about five, six years ago, fell off a horse and died. Okay? Like, just died. Like, didn't know that was an option. I keep this information to myself because I'm like, you know, I don't really want to bring everybody down. Um, 
In same way that I, like in uh, Indonesian Airlines, I didn't mention to anyone on our mission trip that this particular airline that we were on had actually been banned from the European Union because of safety issues. Um, didn't tell anybody. I'm like, you know what? I just keep that to myself. I'll tell them when we get back. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm like, hold on. Like, that's going to matter. So Larry, we get there. Larry's got the horses saddled. And he's like, boys, now I got three rules. Don't fall off. Have fun. And no flashlights. And we're all looking like white people like with our flashlights. Like, like two hands like we're scared. You got to shut them off. Those, those will mess up their vision. These horses can see better in the dark than in the daytime. And as I wrote in the blog, I'm like, but Larry, two days ago, you told me these horses were basically stupid. He's like, yeah, I don't worry about that. Like, what? I'm very worried about that. And, and then I say to him, well, what about, because I'm really worried about the whole, like, like what happened to the headless horseman, like a tree coming and knocking my head off. And, and he's like, you know what? The trouble with being tough, it's tough. This is hilarious. I'm like, oh, geez. He says, these horses have been doing this for, you know, longer than there are street lights and you got to trust your animals, boys. So we uh, get on our horses. And I mean, when we're riding, like, it's in the woods woods. Like, trees over the top, like, Legend of Sleepy Hollow woods. Like, Rambo woods, like, you know, woods woods. And there's paths, but, you know, woods. <laughs> Which, by the way, impedes the moonlight. And he goes, now keeping in mind, like during the day, we're all like, you know, just go, just open these things up, man. Just run them into the ground. What Larry referred to as our, quote, breakneck speed. Um, and, and of course, it, and when it's pitch black, I'm like, no, no, slow down, Spur. Let's, let's walk. Let's, you know, my horse's name was Spur. <laughs> and Larry, on the other hand, ready to open it up. Because this was his time to uh, show us city boys how it's done in the woods and we go off and we're like literally riding through pitch black on these horses and you'd hear occasionally Larry scream out remember trust your animals boys we're like no and I'm like at one point Jamie's like try to just close your eyes and see if that I'm like that's the last thing I'm going to do <laughs> <laughs> trying to see with everything I've got you know? and occasionally there'd be a break in the trees where there would be some moonlight and I could basically instead of seeing nothing I could see a outline of the person in front of me, kind of. And at one point, Larry thinks it's funny to dust us, okay? I mean, no Larry, nothing. And I begin to think, okay, I brought matches with me. Like, I'm thinking, okay, if can I, I, basically, if I could spend the night here, I, you know, we could survive. And those are the thoughts going on. Because I think Larry is, at this point, I'm thinking, you know what? I don't even know this guy. And now he's taken me up into the middle of the woods in the middle of the night and is going to leave us for dead. Like, we don't know him. I've never met him in my life. I Googled him, right? That's how we found That's how Drew found him. Like, you know. And what he had done is he'd gone up a few yards way ahead of us and then hid in the trees. And we're like, Larry! Nothing. Larry! Nothing. We come up into the, finally around the corner, he's like, looking for me, boys? We're like, ah. Um, and then we kept going. It was two and a half miles up to the top of this um, mountainous thing. They call it a bluff or a gorge. I don't even know. It looked like a mountain to me. I just know if you if you would have jumped off, there would have been a few seconds before you died. Like it was that kind of high. Like you could probably count it to 10. And we get to the top and we're just looking out over this literally 
ridiculous. And we were there during the day, and it was ridiculous. You could see, for, I mean, for miles and miles and miles. And at night, all you saw was this beautiful expanse of space that was fully lit by the moon. And none of us, like, we were all, nobody wanted to say a word. It was like, all we're going to do is pollute this. And so we stand there for a while, and uh, one of the guys with us is the worship leader from Journey, bursts into uh, How Great Thou Art, you know, my grandma's favorite song ever, mine from church, you know. And it was like, I see the stars, I see, you know, the, hear the rolling thunder. It's like, oh my gosh, this is it, this is the song. And, you know, we're looking for eternity in this place, and it's not there, because it's not coming yet. So over the past if you don't know this, I think everybody does, but just in case you don't know, I mean, I don't know everybody that's watching tonight, but I'm kind of in the music business. This is my day job. And I'd love to take credit for it, but I just sort of stumbled backwards into it. Um, and 15 years later, uh, here we are. Um, when I was younger, I thought, you know, someday when I'm older, I'm going to go into full-time ministry. I never really articulated it well, but I just thought that. And my idea was, I was telling a couple of guys earlier, was that, you know, someday I'll just I'll travel, um, write and speak and, you know, smoke pipes and be thoughtful. Um, the idea was to be like Donald Miller, but with better theology, like actually to read my Bible before I write. And um, I'm just saying, what? I'm just saying. Um, someday Donald will be to heaven. Okay, hey, look, this is where you missed it, Darren. I'm like, oh, that's a good point. Um, that'll, that's, that's my future, but for now. But that was the idea. I had this idea, you know, and, and I would have conversations with, you know, folks over the years of, you know, someday, when, and if, and, and even in my mind, I had this idea that I would, music business would be 10 years, I'd never even decided out loud, I thought it would probably be a good 10-year run, and then we'll see, you know, what God does, and so around 10 years, I'm realizing, well, I guess I'm on borrowed time now, and, um, <laughs> and then the time just kept going on. I'm kind of having these conversations with myself, I'm having conversations, you know, from time to time with my wife, Jeremy, and, you know, it's like we don't know what the future is. And, and quite honestly, Conduit was a great way to uh, be a part of the ministry. This was something that God led us to do. God has done great things through it. And it felt right. It felt good. It feels right. It feels good. And it's simple. It's easy. We're not even working hard, you know. And look what God is doing. The thing about it is, is as you get to grow older, you get this idea in your mind that once you've taken risks and God is coming through for you, that eventually you're done with that part of your life and you get to move on with it, right? I'm done now. I wait till I can hedge my bets. And... But as I was asking these questions of God, what's next for us? What's next for my family and for Shannon and I and for the kids? I wasn't getting a whole lot of clarity other than, and if you've been around it, you remember even me teaching a while back that the way that an eagle trains their baby to fly is that they begin to put sticks in the nest, sharp ones, sticking out, so that it's not real comfortable. And if the eagle doesn't try it, then you'll another stick in there, another sharp. And so basically it's so uncomfortable that the eagle, the little eagle does, has nothing but, but to fly. It's like it just can't stay in the nest anymore. And I began to feel kind of an unsettling in me of like, oh, well, what is next? You know, what's, 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 what am I to do? And, and the thing is, is as I got older, the traveling idea 
began to seem like a youthful indiscretion. Like, oh, that was a good idea like 15 years ago. But I have like kids and a wife. I don't, I don't like to leave home now. Contrary to my calendar, I like to be home. And what is it that would be next for me? And if you remember, a few months ago, we talked about Moses and Moses' argument to God. Remember, remember this? He spent the first 40 years of his life becoming a somebody. And he spent the next 40 years of his life becoming a nobody. And then he spent the next 40 years of his life saving everybody. And I felt like that God was leading me in certain directions that I wasn't interested in. Um, because I had defined, be careful not to define what it is that you'll do for God and won't do for God. Specifically, they won't do for God. And don't ever say the words I might add, never. <laughs> FYI. Because I didn't have any desire to go down the road the Lord was leading me on. And if you remember, what did God say to Moses in the desert that night when Moses was arguing to him about why he wasn't qualified, why he wasn't good enough? Why it wasn't him that was right for the job. And God said to Moses, Moses, what's in your hand? And it was his staff. <coughs> his day job. He'd been a sheep for a bunch of, I mean, I've been a shepherd for a bunch of dumb sheep for 40 years. And God was calling him to be a shepherd for 3 million people. He had prepared him for that moment. He had prepared him in his earlier life. When God said to Moses, write this down. Of the 3 million Israelites that were in the desert, Moses was probably the only one that could have written because he was in an educated background from Pharaoh's, house, from Pharaoh's house. And by the way, the culture that invented paper, Egypt, God had put him in that position for that point and that moment. Now, someday I have some great questions for the Lord, specifically one of which is, why is hindsight 2020 instead of foresight? I'm just, that would be my preference. And one night we're sitting on the deck with uh, Jamie George, who's, our pastor at Journey Church, and it's me and Shannon, and it's Jamie and Angie, his wife, and, and he starts kind of poking at me, and Jamie's the right kind of pastor, because he'll poke at you just enough, and then back off, because, you know, if God, I don't know how it is with you, but with me, if God downloads it all at once, I probably would have freaked out and never, you know, but that night, Jamie's like, you know, when you're an artist manager, you know, you're doing some things, you're, you're mentoring young people and old people sometimes. You know, there are moments when you've got a guitar player crying on your couch because he's got troubles in his marriage. You're helping someone to unpack a vision that God has put in them, helping them to execute that vision, helping them to be active in ministry. You're preparing them for ministry. And you're letting them take the credit for it. He said, I don't know what you think a pastor does, but that's it. And I had one of those karate kid wax on, wax off moments where I thought I had been learning something else the whole time. But what I realized was that what was in my hand was my day job, my management job. That I had spent the past eight years specifically pastoring, if you will, 35 individuals that are in rock bands as my day job. I've been teaching the word and learning alongside of you guys here at Conduit. I've been part of your lives. You've been a, a really important part of our lives. And that moment, it was the first time I let myself think, maybe this is what God wants for me, wants for us. 
And when you surrender to that moment, especially after so many years, I mean, if you remember right, I mean, I was adamant. This is not a church. We act like one. I mean, I, I, you pastors put up with way too much crap. And the pastors that I'd been around for all my life, like, you know, that's a good, they're good people, but I, I don't really see that. I don't like the idea of sitting on a plane and someone saying, hey, what do you do for a living? And me say, pastor? Like, I mean, that's shallow, but well, no, welcome to my shallow heart. I just, that wasn't something that it intrigued me that I desired to do. <laughs> but that night, it was like, when the Bible says that God will give you the desires of your heart, keeping in mind, it's not him saying, I'm going to give you the, your wish list. It's him saying, I'm going to download desires into you. I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. You, your desires that you'll have will be given to you from God. And that night, it was we got in the car to leave, and Shannon says, I don't want to talk about it because I'm going to cry. We'll talk about it on Monday. I'm like, you know what? Me too. Um, and we didn't. <laughs> As I recall, we didn't talk about it for a few days. And I began to unpack it, began to think about it, talk with Jeremy a little bit about it. And ultimately... What Jamie has suggested about Journey was that as this church has reached kind of critical mass, that the idea would be that we can plant other churches. We've done it in Buffalo, New York, New York City, and the idea would be to do it right here in the Nashville area, Spring Hill to be specific. And we don't have to call it Journey Church. He says, you just, you know, look, you, I just feel like you're the right guy for the job, and if you feel like it, it's your own entity. It's, you know, add whatever DNA from Journey that you want and bring whatever DNA you want to the table. And we'll plant a church. The thing about the horseback riding was we thought we were being adventurous. Riding through, I mean, look, we're riding through the forest on a horse. That's a fairly significant adventure, right? In the, in the river, and we, you know, we're riding them fast. And, and I thought, that's what conduit is. Man, we've been riding. This has been a great adventure. We've done some amazing things here. And the thing about God is he's not one to let you rest on the last adventure. As grand as you think it is, he's got something grander just around the bend. And for us, for Larry, it was the moonlight ride. And I realized what a perfect metaphor for what God is calling us to, my family. Jeremy and Amber, and to, to many of you, hopefully. And that is that there's something bigger, there's something grander. And you know what? There's a whole lot of risk involved. There's a lot of danger when you're riding a horse at night. But our guide, he may not be tame, but he's kind. And he knows what the heck he's doing. And so in some ways, what we're talking about is that most times a church adds a missions department onto it, Conduit is kind of a missions department adding a church onto the front. But as I think about it, it's not just that. This, this thing that I think God is calling us to, calling me to, and again, hopefully you guys as well, is not a church with a missions department, is a mission. We are the mission. I think it was Spurgeon that said there are two kinds of Christians. There are missionaries and there are imposters. <laughs> Let that sink in for a minute. Jesus said, follow me. Larry said, follow me, boys. Trust your animal. When Jesus said, follow me, it implied that he was actually going somewhere. 
He didn't ask us to come into the cabin to play cards. He invited us out into the wilderness. He invited us onto this amazing adventure. And so Conduit is growing up. Conduit is going to become Conduit Church. It means many things. It means that I'm going to be leaving my company. I've uh, informed my business partner and my staff and my clients this past week. Um, it's kind of an emotional roller coaster of a week, as you might guess. I remember saying this eight years ago that last few times I've had a company, it was pretty clear when it was time to move on. It was when we were out of money. <laughs> so it was more spiritual than that, but... But I remember saying, watch God let this company become successful to see if then I'll give it up. It was eight years ago. It's a terrible career move. God has been very kind to my company. The music business has been the giant flushing sound you hear from time to time. That's the sound of the music industry. <laughs> For some reason, my company has been successful. We're having our most successful year ever. My clients are great. We're in a good position with everybody. And to walk away seems stupid. It seems dangerous. And it seems wonderful. Taught for years that where God guides, God provides. I'm getting ready to put my money where my mouth is. Doesn't mean that we're not going to take a pay cut. Doesn't mean that we're going to get to trust God all over again. Um... But I know this, the bigger the risk, this is a business principle, the bigger the reward. And as we stood on that mountain that night, looking down onto the valley below, and Larry said, you know, boys, ain't a lot of people get to do this. We knew it was true. And I asked Larry, man, do you ever get scared up here? He's like, nah, bro, I'm not alone. Never alone. And I said, well, what about when it's dark, man? How do you know? He's like, dude, I've been here so many times. I've been this way before. I know where I am. And I was like, that's the Holy Spirit, our God. He's been this way before. This is not his first time to this rodeo. In fact, it's perfectly biblical. God is kind of makes a habit out of interrupting people in the middle of their <coughs> life and calling them into something completely different. And as is so often the case, he calls them into something that was they were so uniquely gifted for. Peter was a fisherman. He was going to become a fisher of men. Moses was a shepherd. You, you see over and over again this pattern. When I look in Ephesians and I see what a, the work, Ephesians 4.11, it says that God gives us the fivefold ministry. <coughs> I'd always thought that he'd given the fivefold ministry so that we could, you know, and I never really maybe articulated it this way, but I'd always felt that the purpose of the ministry was to gather people around so that the minister could be prepared for the work of the ministry. That's not what Ephesians 4.11 says. It says that God gives us the fivefold ministry, the prophet, pastor, apostle, pastor, teacher, to prepare you, to prepare those around them, for, as the NIV says, for works of service. King James says for the work of the ministry. We've had it all backwards. That's what a manager does. I just sit around preparing someone else for the work of the ministry, helping to implement their, their lives, and he was preparing me for this moment. And as I stand, stood on that mountain, I believe someday we'll stand on another precipice and say, 
That was a really scary ride, but it was worth it. Tonight I'm on the front side. I know that I'm riding into complete darkness. I have a, probably as many questions as you have. Some of them I have answered, a lot of them I don't. But I trust my guide. I trust my horse. One of the things that wasn't lost on me was that I was surrounded by my friends, by my brothers in Christ. Because I don't know that I'd have done that alone. Let me now rephrase it. I wouldn't have done that alone. I don't even know if I'd have done it just with Larry, if I'm being honest. <laughs> nah, I wouldn't have. <laughs> Positive. But I did do it because I had brothers around me. I had my family in Christ around me. And, and I know that God has prepared people for this. And I want you know, I understand some of you guys already have a church, and I get it, and I understand it. And you're already on an adventure. But if the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart, I want to invite you to be a part of this moonlight ride that's going to be called Conduit Church. This crazy adventure that's going to be dark. There's going to be moments of illumination. There's going to be a lot of moments of trust. And at the end, we're going to have done something that many people haven't done. Probably most. But it'll have been worth it. We're going to be in Spring Hill somewhere. Many of the things that we've come accustomed to, the child sponsorship stuff that we're doing, that's going to continue. If you choose to give towards our work in Haiti, and that, all that will continue. Again, we're just a missions department adding a church onto the front end of it. That will continue. The only thing that will change is we're going to call this what it is, and that, kids, is a church. I've had people tell me that over the years. It's a church. And there was a pastor here in town that I had lunch with not long ago. I was like, I don't know, bro. I don't know that I, I don't feel like a leader. And he laughed <laughs> hard, actually. But I meant it. I've always felt like the kind of guy that could prop someone else up, you know? And he told me the story of Saul that I'd never heard before. And that was Saul that was anointed king. And I think, I, I, I wish I could remember the passage. I should have been more prepared on this part. But when they went to find Saul that day for his job, they couldn't because he was hiding. He was hiding, I think, in a bedroom, definitely under some boxes. He was hiding. And Samuel said to him that day, Saul, you think so little of yourself. Who are you to think so little of yourself? Has not God called you? And appointed you. And that pastor looked at me that day in the restaurant and said, Darren, I'm saying to you from the Lord, you, how do you think so little of yourself? Have I not called you? I'm thinking, don't cry. I'm in public. And it was a moment of like, mm. And so I'm not here to say that we're going to do a great job of this and a perfect job of this. But I know that we're going to do a Holy Spirit job of it. I'm not going to get in his way. We're going to continue the simplicity that we've always known. The book of Acts basically gives the game plan for a church. It says in Acts 2, they got together for fellowship, for prayer, for teaching, and communion. And the Lord added to their numbers daily. What a great model for a church. I don't have to go get a bunch of books. I'll just go to Acts 2. Just do those simple things. 
Over the years, the decades, we've had to have parachurch organizations to feed the poor because the churches, we got so busy with our own overhead and our own big expensive projects and we didn't have anything left. So we had to have organizations, great organizations like Compassion or, you know, like Conduit to do the work of the church because the church, man, we've kind of been asleep at the wheel. That's not what Conduit Church is going to be about, I assure you of that. We're going to have a leadership team in place that's going to hold us accountable. We're going to be open with our finances, no secrets. Other than that, we're going to follow the Lord. The plan will be sometime in the spring, we'll continue to study the Word like we're doing. And sometime in the spring, the joke is right now is that this is going to be called Operation Valkyrie. Uh, (laughs) Because a lot of things have to happen <laughs> at the right time. I'm going to be extricating myself from a company, and we're going to be uh, giving birth to a church. Um, Jamie is going to announce in December that Journey is going to plant in Spring Hill. In January, they're going to ordain me, so I'll be totally legit. Yeah, you're, I mean, I'm legit for legal purposes. So. Oh, yeah. uh, I know that. Yeah. You're married. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. yeah I'm legit. <laughs> you have some young married couples who have questions. For tax purposes only. <laughs> so uh, there was one more thought. So, um, And then we're going to invite people from Journey to join us. They're going to say, if you're a part of Journey and you want to be a part of this, we encourage you to pray about it and to go with these guys as they plan. So that's really the plan. It's pretty awesome because the fact that uh, Pastor Jamie, that that journey, like one of the first things he said whenever he came, um, when it was the first time, one of the first messages he had, he talked about how this is not about him growing his kingdom and his church, and it wasn't going to be something where he was going to have a big mega church, and that the plan for have other satellite things, and I think it's really cool being able to partner. And given the freedom to, to have like your own flavor and your own mission and all that, but still kind of have like a group that's, that's kind of right of brothers and sisters that are going alongside. It's like extra support. You know? I don't feel like we're doing it alone. And I feel like that part of our vision, of course, is to, if you're a real life organism, you do something that every organism does, you recreate. And you don't recreate clones, you recreate with your DNA, the Holy Spirit coming in and creating, and that's what conduit will be. It's going to take the DNA of journey and the DNA of conduit and this new creation. And I want to continue to, I don't want to continue to, I want to escalate our involvement in Haiti. And we're already, we're, we've, I mean, for all intents and purposes, we've planted a church in Haiti. We're, we're investing in a church in Haiti to see them grow, to plant other churches internationally, to partner with journey, to plant maybe another church, here in town, one of the things I've said over the years when people, and there's been many confirmations, maybe over a coffee someday I can tell you all of them, but have said, yeah, Darren, you know, you should start a church. I'm like, no, 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 Nashville doesn't need another church. We get plenty of churches. And a few of them said, yeah, but not the kind of church that you guys could create. Not the kind of church that you guys, like there's, it's not no dis, no disrespect whatsoever because there's a lot of churches doing a lot of great things. And I have no intention of creating something that we set up and throw rocks at everybody else. It's going to go be who we are. Because if you're a people's church, if you're a Brentwood Baptist church, then we're all going to heaven together. I won't have to sit there and explain why I was bad-mouthing you, you know. 
let God work that out. He, he doesn't need Holy Ghost Jr. He's got him. He's got it covered. We're just going to go be who we are. So our invitation, my invitation, Shannon's invitation, Jeremy, is for you to join us on this adventure. Pray about it. And if God wants you to stay where you are in your own church, I want you to do that. Because um, God might have something for you to be and to do right where you are. But if not, man, saddle up your horses. <laughs> yes! Wow. Waiting for that line. All right. <laughs>